open your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 4, and I'm going to say something I would never teach a class on preaching to say, and that is, I have a group of random thoughts I'm putting together this morning, <laughs> but it worked at nine, but no, they all string together with the theme, believe me. We're talking about hearing the voice of God, and I began thinking, you know, we talked about hearing, hearing God's voice as a flow of thought when you're in prayer meditation. Hearing the voice of God as he appears to you in picture form. You know, God gives you vision. Hearing the voice of God in those ways and by the Spirit speaking. Today I wanted to look at some ways that are uh, obviously spelled out in Scripture. And I'm going to give you two up front and then land on the third one, which I really, really am going to deal with in depth, okay? Okay. So let's read this verse together. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, since it's on the screen, read it with me. Let's all read it out loud. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. One way God speaks to us is through peace. Peace in our hearts concerning His will for our lives. Let me say it this way. I think when you're in the center of God's will, there's a peace that He gives that, that is beyond what is possible in a human being. I mean, you and I can have peace. We can, we experience, you know, you can go out by the ocean and sit there, if that's peaceful to you. Sit in a chair and feel the breeze and under the umbrella. And just feel the, or go to the mountains and sit out on the porch and drink a cup of coffee and you experience the mountains in the morning and, the, you know, there's a, there's a certain peace that we feel as human beings. It's great. But what about when you get a report from the doctor that doesn't look good? Or what about financial bills stacking up? Or a child that's going haywire on you. You don't know what's going on, but you submit it to the Lord in prayer and all of a sudden you feel a peace come on you that you know is not natural. It's something that only the Lord can give you. Let's, let's, parse, this, let's parse this verse. Be anxious for nothing. That means we, if we really believe the word, then, then this is a command to us. Be anxious for nothing. Don't be all amped up and all spooled up and because how many knows some of us get there sometimes? Some of us more than others, maybe. But we get so anxious and worrisome over what's going to happen or what's not going to happen, we get so spooled up. God says, don't do that. Be anxious for nothing, but instead of being amped up like that, take it to the Lord in prayer. 
but by prayer and supplication. And I don't, you know, I don't know the technical definition of supplication, but when I see it, I kind of think it refers to us making requests on the behalf of others or us just making requests to God. So by prayer and supplication. So instead of being anxious and worrying and fretting and freaking out, take those things to the Lord in prayer. And make all of your requests known. Tell God the problems. And you know what? He can figure it out and He's big enough to handle your issues. And He's big enough to take care of the situation. Oh, hallelujah. Sometimes, you know, uh, oh, what needless pain we bear, you know, the old hymn, because we don't carry everything to God in prayer. I just think of that so many times because I've been like that a lot. Not leaning on everyone else except the Lord sometimes and not taking my burdens directly to Him. Anyhow, y'all get the picture, say amen. amen. Don't be anxious, but take it to the Lord in prayer and make your requests known. And then the next part really becomes like the octane boost with thankfulness. Because sometimes we pray and tell the Lord our problems or ask for a solution, and then we walk away like, oh, I hope that works. And we walk away without an assurance that our prayers have been heard. But you know, Thanksgiving challenges you to say, okay, Lord, I've made my prayer and request known. Now I'm going to give you thanks. Now, Jesus, I thank you that you've heard my prayer. I thank you that you're working everything out. I thank you, God, that you're blessing me going and coming. I'm thanking you, God, that you're working everything for my good, even when I don't realize it. I thank you, Lord, that I'm, I'm the head, not the tail. I thank you, Lord, that I'm the lender, not the borrower. Hallelujah. I mean, come on, we're more blessed than we realize. And we just start thanking God for all that. It amps up our prayers to another level. It's hard to be anxious and hard to be a nervous wreck when you're worshiping God and thanking Him for taking care of the situation. Let your request be made known. And then, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It should work like this. We face issues. We take them to the Lord in prayer. After taking them to the Lord in prayer, we worship and we thank Him for answering our prayer. And then the peace of God settles on us. And we realize everything's going to be all right. And then that peace sets up a watch and guards our heart from any other voices. Once you're settled in the Lord, that peace should come and guard you saying, okay, I know, I know this is all, I've submitted it to the Lord, and I know this thing's going to work out, and now the peace of God is keeping me. I'm going to follow the peace. Okay, why am I saying this? Because often in praying for God's will, often when you're asking to hear the voice of the Lord, God will send His peace, and that is a sign that you're right in the center of His will. Now, that doesn't mean you won't have to have conflict sometimes. You won't have to go through trial sometimes. You won't have to debate which way to go. I mean, all that's part of life. But I really think when you hit the sweet spot of His will, there's a peace there. There is just 
a peace there. You know, everywhere I've lived, I've pastored in three different cities, and everywhere I've lived, I've been super happy. I've just been super happy. I'm not the type of guy that goes, gosh, I can't stand this place. I've just never been. I just felt as long as I'm in his will, I'm a happy camper. Amen. Amen. If things went well that day or maybe they didn't go so well that day, I still, if I'm in the center of his will, I'm walking in his peace. Okay. So years ago, I, uh, when I was first married, I was considering going to Bible college. Now, I already had a, a college degree. But I don't know. I just thought, I just wanted, I didn't study Bible when I went to college. I got a, a, an undergraduate degree. It was a secular degree. And I thought, well, I want to go back and study the Bible. So uh, I got all amped up about it. And I found a Bible college in the middle of the United States. And I said, I'm leaving. I told my wife, I, I'm going to go to Bible. This is what we're going to do. And I left. I told her that in one morning. This is what we're doing. We're moving to the middle of the U.S. See you later. Well, I came home, and there was no peace over this deal. <laughs> she had been crying, and I was like, this ain't good. And the peace was wrecked, okay? So I said, well, okay, I'll put this on hold. Because I got all worked up in my mind over something, but didn't have the peace settled in our hearts about the situation. You don't have to raise your hand if you've ever done that. But then right after that, I had a conversation with my mother. And she looked at me and she said, why aren't you going to graduate school? You have an undergrad degree. Why don't you go to a master's degree? And it was like, you're exactly right. I went and talked to my wife about it. She says, that's what the Lord says. Let's do it. We went and visited the grad school and had a bed and a few pieces of furniture in the back of our van. And we said, this is it. Boom. We, the peace came and just went, Shh, this is what we need to be doing. This is the peace of God on this. When I came down here in 2009, uh, I'd been asked to travel with a missions organization and travel the globe doing conferences with this mission group. And, and it was like, I mean, a huge honor to be offered that. And then I had family and friends wanting us to come back to where we were born and raised back in the Appalachian Mountains of Virginia and plant a church. So I thought, well. Then I came down here because the pastor here had called me and really felt God was doing something here. And so I showed up. I met with the leadership of the church. And it was all great. They were, they were too nice. And when I left, I met Dayton Burt, who's my bishop, the next morning at IHOP. And I said, Dayton, I love you, but I'm going home. I'm going back to the mountains, and I'm going to plant a church there. And Dayton did the greatest thing. He said, Hans, I love you. We'll always be friends. And he let me go. Now, later he told me, he said, I knew I had to do that. He said, I knew what you needed to be doing, but I let you go. I went home. I called him the next day, Dayton, we're going to go to North Carolina. That's what we're doing. Because we had gone home, and me and Jackie had had, we came to this, like, explosive moment of, like, and I don't get like this, but I was, like, all amped up, and finally I said, God, 
I'll do what you want to do. And I looked at her and I said, we're going to North Carolina. She said, great, let's pack. Let's go to North Carolina. <laughs> boom, boom, peace came on that. And, it was, and I called Dayton and Dayton said, I could have told you that's what you should have done, but you had to get there yourself. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? But once you find that place of peace, okay, Lord, this is it. This is where I should be. This is what I should be doing. And now that peace is guarding my heart. Second thing, God speaks to us through wise counsel. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. The message reads like this. Fools are headstrong and do what they like, but wise people take advice. Proverbs 19, listen to counsel and receive instruction that you, that you may be wise in your latter days. How many of you wished you would have listened to your grandparents or listened to your parents? Because now you're in your latter days and it would have been a lot better for you if you'd listened to them. Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. And then even in Acts 15, when the church met in Acts 15 in Jerusalem, they had a council meeting, and they were trying to decide what to do with the non-Jews that had come into the Christian church. Because all of these non-Jews or Gentiles were being saved in Paul's ministry, and, then he, and, and, and there were those out there teaching that before these guys could become Christians, they should be Jewish. They should be circumcised, they should keep the dietary laws, they should keep the festivals and feasts and Sabbath laws and all that. And Paul is having a problem with this. So they come to Jerusalem and they work it all out. And finally at the end, James, the brother of Jesus, who now seems to be the head of the Jerusalem church, speaks up and he says this. He says, it seems good to us and the Holy Spirit to not lay upon you guys any greater burden than these necessary. Here's all I want you to do. Abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you, keep, if you keep these, you're going to be doing fine. And I think the thing strangled to blood and meat offered to idols was an issue. Uh, it was a, a cultural issue because people were eating meat offered to idols in a temple. Then they were buying it off the street, coming home and eating it. And, and some Christian people were like, you can't do that. That was offered to demons. And it's, you know, we can't. So the, the apostle said, just do, get rid of it all. Don't do that. And number two, live right sexually. Have sexual morality. And thanks, there's your, church, there's your church rule book. And they came to this and they said, it's interesting what James said, it seems good to us and the Holy Spirit. And it seems to be that that counsel is speaking as the voice of God. They're speaking as the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. So listen, it is good to go seek wise counsel in making decisions in life or seeking God's will or seeking to hear His voice. It's good to seek wise counsel. Godly people, people who are filled with the Spirit, people who know the Bible, people who lived a little bit, and you can seek counsel from these people and often discern the voice of God in your life. Can somebody shout amen? In 1 Kings chapter 12, there's a story of Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Rehoboam was the son of Solomon, and Solomon had died and left the kingdom to Rehoboam. Well, Rehoboam came to power. He's a young guy, 
And Jeroboam had been a servant of Solomon's who had kind of rebelled because he felt the tasks and the, the taxation or the weight of the kingdom was too much on he and his people. So once Solomon died, Jeroboam said, okay, it's time to make things right. I'm going to go to the new king, to Rehoboam, and we're going to amend our ways. And so he came, and, and Rehoboam sought counsel. First of all, he went to his father's counselors, who were the older men. And he said, what should I do? They said, listen, you should, you should make it easy on this guy, and you should receive him back into fellowship. Make it easy on him, let him come back. Then he went to his friends and the young guys and asked for counsel. And you know what they said? They said, here's what you need to tell him. You need to say, my father chastised you with whips, but I'm going to chastise you with scourges. You thought he was bad? I'm bad to the bone. You thought it was rough under him? It's going to be rougher under me. So this guy heeded the advice of the young guys. And what happened when Jeroboam came and heard this? Boom, it was over. And the whole kingdom of Israel split between the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom. And the rest of the Old Testament were dealing with this split between the southern and northern kingdom because of a guy who wouldn't heed wise counsel. Sometimes you don't need a prophetic word. You just need to listen to some wise people. Ain't nobody going to help me this morning, so I'm just going to preach it anyhow. Sometimes you don't need a dream and vision or chill bumps or gold dust. Sometimes you just need to heed the words of a wise person who says you are an idiot if you do this. I'll amen myself. Amen. Come on, somebody. You know it's true. We, 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 we know wisdom when it's, it's plain before us sometimes, like written in, uh, in neon lights, and sometimes we still go. And wonder why we get in trouble because we don't obey wisdom. Well, somebody shout hallelujah. Third, the third way God speaks to us, and this is the elephant in the room. This is the steak on the plate. He speaks to us through his word, people. This is numero uno. This is the big thing. God speaks to us through his word, and there's no way I can talk about hearing the voice of God and not talk about the word. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. God told Joshua, The book of the law, this book of the law, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make, for then you, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So when the Bible talks about it's interesting, in several different passages in the Bible, we see it in the Old Testament where the words are written, like in Genesis chapter 2. It says that, for, it just says out of the blue, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. Great. But when Jesus quoted it in Matthew 19, Jesus said, have you not read that he who made them from the beginning made them female and male and said, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. So even though it isn't clear in the Old Testament, Jesus said it was God speaking who said that. 
It was God who said that. This happens over and over and over. It happens in Romans chapter 9, Galatians chapter 3. When we're talking about cases in the Old Testament where words were spoken, they're identified with God in the New Testament. Meaning that I know there are words in the Bible spoken by pagan kings and there's words spoken by the Pharaoh and evil people. And I even think some of the wisdom literature, they're arguing, trying to get to a solution like in the book of Job. But overall, overarching, this is God speaking to us. Paul said this in 2 Timothy, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So the word inspiration here, it, it, it means God breathed. The Old Testament word for, for spirit is ruach, which is wind or breath and spirit. The New Testament word for spirit is pneuma, which is wind or breath and spirit. And then when he says it's been inspired by God, it's coming with the inspirato, the same of Latin. It means God has breathed it and it's been given by the inspiration of His Holy Spirit to us, what? For doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction. It means it's supposed to rebuke us. I'm going to preach over here. It's supposed to rebuke us and reprove us. It's supposed to instruct us in righteousness. That's why we have the Word. Here's, here, I'm just going to be raw with you this morning. Here's what I think is wrong with America. <laughs> I think the church lost, to some extent, the doctrine of the inspiration of Scripture. Because if we don't believe God spoke these words, then they no longer are instructions for our lives. They are suggestions for our lives. It's no longer the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. It's the Ten Suggestions. You can do this if you like. If you don't, do it however you feel. Here's a little bit of philosophy to think about at night. And because the church has lost the doctrine of inspiration, then you know there are certain church bodies in America struggling to survive because they're, be, they're being wiped out in an undertow of secularism that no longer believes in the inspiration of Scripture and now they're redefining what a man and woman actually are. They're redefining what a marriage relationship should look like. Because we lost somewhere the mooring of Scripture. And I'm telling you, sometimes we can get straight kooky and weird in church if we start giving visions and dreams and words of the Lord and have no grounding in Scripture. Because no prophetic word given should contradict the words of the Bible. There are no new doctrines. There are no new Jesuses. There are no new lords we're going to follow except the one told about in the Scriptures. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Because there have been very smart people act very dumb in life. You know, I mean, I couldn't believe it. Y'all remember back to the David Koresh and the Branch Davidian compound and all that stuff that happened? I was actually driving to Oklahoma and drove through the night, and we heard, uh, we heard that they, the, their compound was burning and the... the 
government agents had rolled in and all that went down there. And then I really started studying the Branch Davidians, and it was interesting that they had a guy in their group who was like a theologian. And he said, yeah, no, he said, David, yes, David. David is the lamb in Revelation. That's who he is. It's what he said. He said, David is the lamb of Revelation. I thought, dude, you are so far off. And that's how deception happens. Oh, help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. I know people in the mountains who have churches around the life of William Branham. They go to church and listen to his sermons, baptize in his name. There were churches in the mountains that, that, that took things like ancient Gnostics. I'm, I'm getting way out here this morning. But there are churches that, that I heard of in the mountains that believed in free love. You could come and trade husbands and wives around in the church. <laughs> I don't care what person stands in the pulpit and preaches. I'm going to be like Paul now. If he comes with any other doctrine, he is anathema. He's cursed. If he comes with any other thing than the Jesus we knew. That's why Peter said, oh, hallelujah. Peter said in 2 Peter, our hands have touched the word of life. I'm not bringing to you cunningly devised fables, but I'm telling you of the word of life. That I, and, I, and Peter said this, and I know it because I was with him on the holy mountain. Meaning I was with him on the Mount of Transfiguration, and I saw him change into glorious, in a glorious appearance, and I saw his glory for who he really was. And I'm telling you, it's not a fable. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a fantasy. This is that same Jesus that they crucified who was dead and buried on the third day. That's the one we're worshiping right here. The historic Jesus of the Bible. Come on, somebody shout amen. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. Now listen, I'm, I, let me just go ahead and get down in your junk drawer. Because if we would just obey the Bible, there's a lot of issues that would be ironed out in our lives. I want to give you just a couple examples. And man, these are hard. So just tighten your seatbelt. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1. Paul says this, Therefore, be imitators of God, dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given Himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice of God, for a sweet-smelling aroma, but fornication, which is sexual relations outside the bounds of marriage, all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as fitting for saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting you know, it was uh, John Stott who said, don't joke about sex. Which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Now, why is this important? For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, covetous man, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you. 
with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. This is the voice of God calling into a pagan culture, which ours is not far from it, calling them, don't do this and don't be partakers of it. Well, I'm living with my boyfriend. Do you have a prophetic word for me? I don't need a prophetic word for you. I got this word for you. Well, preach on, Brother Han. I'm going to preach it anyhow. I'm just reading scripture, you know. It's like not rocket science. Listen to 1 Corinthians 6. Oh, hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not, do not be deceived. Neither fornicators... It comes from the Greek word porneo, where we get pornography from. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And somebody says, well, the kingdom of God is talking about God's way of doing things. No, it's talking about going to heaven. Why? Because the rest of this passage, he's talking about judgment. The judgment of the end and how we're to judge in church. Jesus said, don't judge. Yeah, exactly. Jesus said, don't judge inequitably. Because like if you have a speck in your eye and someone else has a beam in their eye, there's something wrong going on here. But Paul says, no, in church it's a different situation. Wow, this is hard preaching. But let me just get through it because I'm talking about hearing the voice of God. And we can get kooky and freaky about hearing the voice of God and ignore what's written right in the black and white for us. And then Paul says this, and such were some of you. Past tense. Not are some of you. You say, yeah, but Pastor Hans, a church is just, I can't deal with that. It's just perfect churchly people. No, honey, we're not perfect. They ain't one of us perfect. But you know what? And and listen, I wasn't raised in church. And I guarantee you a whole slew of y'all weren't raised in church. And you know what? You know one thing we have in common? Not, Not that we're perfect, but we have this in common. We're washed in the blood of Jesus. And now we can count our sin and our life of bondage as something in the past. And then he says this, But such were some of you, but but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. I could give more examples. I have more written down, but I'm going to stop right there. Because I can tell it's going over so well. (laughs) But I'm just telling you the straight of it. We don't, you know, in hearing the voice of God, realize the scripture gives you the playing field and gives you the boundaries in which God can, within which God can speak to you. He speaks to you within the precepts of scripture. Scripture. 
And that we hear Him. And you know, Scripture becomes a boundary. And you know, it's, it's like this. It's like this boundary on this stage here. You know, that, that's a good thing it's there. Because when I'm preaching, I'm going to get up here and I feel that boundary. I know I better stop or I'm going to break my neck. And sometimes I've, I've, sometimes I've been crazy. Why? Because sometimes people like to push boundaries. And I've gotten out there where I shouldn't, but a boundary is a good thing. You know, a boundary is a beautiful thing for a rodeo rider. A bull rider? A bull rider has boundaries. He has a fence around him. And why is it important? Because once he's cast off that bull, that boundary becomes his safety zone. And he runs as hard as he can for that safety zone. And if he gets behind the boundary, his life will be saved. And so God's commandments and God's word is like that rodeo corral for you and I. If we can stay behind his word and behind the boundaries that he's set for us, we're going to be okay. The only people in to help are the clowns. It must be me and you helping distract so you can get to the boundaries. Can somebody shout amen? But you know what? The Word of God is not popular all the time, but I don't care if it's popular or not. We still have to believe it. He said to Timothy, Paul did, preach the Word, instant in season and out of season. Reprove and rebuke with all long suffering and doctrine. We're to believe the Bible when it's popular and to believe it when it's not popular. We're to believe the Bible when the media is for us and the media is not for us. We're to believe the Bible when the government passes laws according to Scripture and when they pass laws against Scripture, we're to stand on scripture instead of the laws of the land. I'm telling you what, there's a higher standard and it's God's word. In the end, you're not going to be judged on the words or philosophy of Hans Hess. You're not going to be judged on the words or philosophy of the International Pentecostal Holiness Church. You're going to be judged by the standard of his word. Oh, hallelujah. Because I believe at the judgment seat, it says the books were open. I don't know. I'm just going to play with it, but I believe it's the book of life in which you're name is written if you're born again and I somehow think the Bible's going to be open and all of these words that we heeded or didn't heed are going to be staring us in the face at the end come on somebody shout hallelujah come on somebody shout hallelujah you know, we've forgotten how powerful the Word is. If we had just practiced the Word, if we just practiced the Scriptures, I got a word for you this morning. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. I got a word for you this morning, Exodus 20. I am the Lord that healeth thee. Come on, I got a word for you. I can do all things, Philippians 4, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, I got a word for you all the way back from Isaiah. When you walk through the fire, it shall not burn you. And you walk through the waters, this shall not overcome you. Come on. Hallelujah. I was with a minister years ago in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We had been doing street meetings down in a terrible part of town. And we went out to eat one night afterwards. And the people, there were some church people coming in. And they recognized my friend that he was a minister. And they walked up to him and they said, Brother, do you have a word for us? And my friend was from down deep in Mississippi. He said, Yes, ma'am, I do. Love the Lord your God with all of your mind, your heart, your soul, and your strength. And your neighbor as yourself. There's your word. Well, Jesus. 
Meditate in it. Meditate in it. Meditate in it. The ancient Hebrew for meditate has a sense of ruminate. It's like a cow chewing cud. He gets a little bit of grass. So I'm going to store that for later. And then he brings it back up and starts chewing again. It's us with the word. I'm reading it. Oh, Lord, that's good. I'm going to store that for later. I'm going to pull it back up and get into that again. I'm going to store it for later. Then I'm going to pull it back up and I'm going to get into that again. I need some wisdom, Lord, on a decision. I'm going to get into this thing again. And God, see, you speak to me, Lord. God, I need direction for a friend. I'm going to get back into it and get in. I need a promise that I can take before you in prayer. I'm going to pull it back up and get into it. And the Holy Spirit starts referencing what we've put in the hard drive and starts bringing it back up. And it's absolutely amazing what God will do. Let me tell you this and we're going to close. I think most every major decision in my life, there's been a confirmation that God has given me from the Bible. There's been a confirmation. I got saved reading the Gospel of Mark. That's how I got saved. I started reading the Gospel of Mark, and it started coming alive like crazy. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke with other tongues by reading Mark 16 and praying that into my life. When God called me to preach, God gave me Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15. I'll give you pastors according to my heart which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. I've just had, whether it's boom, that specific, or in a general sense, I knew, I I just found the wisdom of God in Scripture and knew I could do this thing based on the words of Scripture. It's your God, folks. I'm going to encourage you. Okay. Mm, Jesus. How many of y'all have a Bible sitting on the mantle or on the bookshelf? Let me see your hands. This side has Bibles. This side does not have Bibles. We're going to send you somewhere. How many of y'all have a Bible laying around somewhere? Come on. All right. Thank you. Just like I challenged you the other day to pray 15 minutes a day or spend 15 minutes before the Lord a day, I want to challenge you to do something. Okay, Dr. Phil, I don't need you right now. I'm going to get the Bible off. And I'm going to open up. And I'm going to start seeing what God says to me. Come on, some of us watch so many YouTube videos over COVID. We should be experts in many different fields right now. Let me just tell you, get into this word and it will absolutely transform your life. It's absolutely going to totally re, it's going to, it's going to rearrange your life. It's going to rearrange your life. So this morning I started, there was an old song. I'm talking like probably 1970s that came to me. And it was written by David Ingalls who used to lead worship for brother Kenneth Hagin and, uh, he wrote all these songs just word. I mean, like, if it's doubt, unbelief, we're not going to sing it. 
So he wrote this one song. The word is working mightily in me. Word is working mightily in me. No matter what the circumstances or what I feel or see, the word is working mightily in me. You know how much that song blessed me this morning? I listened to it all the way to church. I was so happy somebody could have flipped me off and it wouldn't have mattered this morning. Because I realized what I said, Duh, Hans! You've always been a word man. You've always been there. It's always been your anchor. That's where the answers are. Come on, that's where it is. Get it off the shelf. Take time. Let God speak to you. Thank you so much for joining us online. And I hope the message was a real blessing to you. You know, eternity is a real thing. You're going to spend eternity somewhere. According to the scriptures, you spend eternity in one of two places. First of all, heaven. Paul said to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Or number two, in hell. Jesus talked about the rich man who went to hell and was in great torment. He was begging Abraham to send someone, a messenger, to tell his family. Well, listen, you're hearing the message today. Eternity is real, and you're going to spend it in one of two places. So why don't let's decide right now, me and you, that you're going to spend it in heaven. How do you do that? You accept Jesus into your heart. Open up your heart and say, Lord, come in. Cleanse me of all sin. I accept you as my Lord and take the throne of my life as yours. Okay? So let's pray right now. Just pray with me right where you are. Just repeat this. Father in heaven, I, I remove myself from the throne of my heart. And Jesus, I invite you to sit on the throne of my heart. Forgive me of all sin. Wash me in your precious blood. And I accept your sacrifice for me. And I thank you, Lord for cleansing me, for saving me, and for accepting me. In Jesus' name I pray. Can you say amen right where you're at? Hey, thank you for joining us. And please come back, get in, get in the Word, get in the flow of the Spirit. And uh, we're just blessed to have you with us and look forward to seeing you the next time.